Well, Merry Christmas and welcome to Christmas at uh, Orchard Hill. It's great to be together. I want to say a special welcome to those of you in the lobby and the chapel. Thanks for your flexibility just to be part of this time together. Certainly, as we gather here in the auditorium, the chapel, the lobby, the people who gathered at the earlier services will gather later today. There are a lot of traditions that are represented among all of us in terms of how we celebrate Christmas. But as many traditions as are represented, I would guess that there are even more desires that we have when we come to Christmas. Because our traditions tend to be shared with others, but all of us have our own desires, things that we say, this is something I really wish I had for Christmas. This is what I need to have a beautiful Christmas. But as many desires as are represented among all of us here, there's probably one desire that's fairly universal, if not entirely universal. And that is the desire to have a great Christmas or a beautiful Christmas, however we define that. And as evidence of this uh, assertion, I cite the existence of the Hallmark Christmas movie as my evidence. Now, the reason I say this is if you've seen one of these Hallmark Christmas movies, you've seen them all because they all have about the same plot. You get the young person, usually in their 20s, who's having big success living in the big city with a big time job and everything in their life is great except for their romance. And if they're single, they'll tell you that we're happy being single. We don't need anybody else in our lives. And if they're with somebody, everyone except them can tell that it's the wrong person. And then what happens is they end up going to a small town, either assigned there by work or their family brings them to a small town. It's usually a small town in the north with a little bit of snow falling. And as they're there, they meet somebody or they rekindle a relationship with somebody they used to know and sparks fly and you begin this journey of thinking maybe they'll find true love. But then there's a misunderstanding. <laughs> and the misunderstanding is usually a partially heard conversation. And so this, this young person decides, I'm going back to my life in the big city. I don't need this. I don't need this small town. And as they're ready to go, they get stuck in the small town. Maybe there's a blizzard that blows in. Maybe the Christmas pageant that they're a part of hasn't happened yet. And so they're there for another day or two or three. And in that time, the conflict gets resolved and they end up falling madly in love. And usually with a culminating scene under the mistletoe, all is good. Now, why do I say that that's evidence that we want a beautiful Christmas? Because we watch it. <laughs> At least they keep making them. And so there's somebody who watches it. And what that shows us is that we just want to have a good story. And it isn't just the Hallmark Christmas movies. It's our Christmas cards or social media posts with our pictures. You know what I'm talking about. It's the picture of here's our beautiful family. Here's where we went on a beautiful vacation. And we are wishing you and your family a beautiful Christmas just like us. But you know that wanting a beautiful Christmas and our experience of Christmas is often different. Maybe in the next few days, you or somebody in your family will say the wrong thing and you'll end up with an argument. Maybe somebody in your family will drink too much again. Maybe somebody will spend too much and it'll create stress or somebody will spend the whole time complaining or maybe this year you've been waiting for something. 
and it hasn't come, maybe the acceptance letter or maybe a new opportunity, maybe that word about a viable pregnancy, or maybe this year there's an empty chair. Maybe it's empty because somebody you love has passed away or there's a relational fracture in the, re, in the family and it's hard to imagine how Christmas could possibly be beautiful or happy with what you're facing. And even if your family has it in a way, has your celebration in a way that feels beautiful, chances are behind that celebration is somebody who is exhausted, somebody who feels presumed upon, and somebody who wonders whether or not they can hold it together and keep everyone on the same page for one more year. I'm a father of four boys, and one of the things that I've wanted as a dad, which probably most parents want, is I want my kids to have a beautiful Christmas. Now, they're getting a little older now, so it's more on them than it used to be. But when they were younger, that was something I really worked at. And when my son David was seven or eight years old, he decided that what he wanted for Christmas was a Lego Star Wars ship. I think it was called the Star Destroyer. I think we have a picture of it here. This is one of these ships that, that costs like $100 and you spend a long period of time putting it together and then you display it when you're done with it. And this is what he said he wanted for Christmas. And I told him, when he asked for it, I said no, because that was more than our allotted budget per child that year. Well, some of you are probably thinking that kid's gonna need therapy. <laughs> and he will, but not just for that. And so he decided to cobble together the money that he had, the money that his grandparents gave him for Christmas and uh, some of his birthday money and allowance money. And he made his biggest purchase to date in his life. And he bought the Lego Star Destroyer Starship. And I remember when it came just a few days later, he took it, he went up to his room with it and he worked on it and came down, told us how it was going, came back to his room, came back down and after a while he got really frustrated and he asked for some expert help. He had to settle for me. And so I went up and I tried to help him take it apart, put it back together and we came to the conclusion that it was missing some key pieces of Lego. So I called the manufacturer and I don't know if I wasn't persistent enough or it wasn't great customer service, but we didn't end up getting the right piece and it was missing a couple of the hinge pieces. And to this day in our house sits a, a bucket of Lego that was this Lego Star Destroyer that never got built. When my son, at age seven or eight, didn't feel like he could have a happy Christmas, a beautiful Christmas because of what was broken, what was missing. And when you came in today, you were given a piece of Lego. And the reason we did that is we wanted you, as you just hold that in your hand, to think about not necessarily a literal piece of Lego that is broken down in your life, but what is broken, what is missing in your life? Because chances are there's something for most of us that we say, if I could have this, then I would have a beautiful Christmas. And what you know is that even if you have all kinds of other things that are right in your life. When that's missing, it's still hard to have a beautiful Christmas. You can have the latest pair of Yeezys or Louis Vuitton bag. It doesn't really matter how nice your house is, how luxurious your vacations. It doesn't matter how well your football team does or 
How many shows you binge watch on Netflix when something's missing, when something's broken, you say, how can I have a beautiful Christmas? Well, we can talk about the beauty of the nativity where there was the starlit night and Jesus being born in the stable, but the real beauty in Christmas is, is not in the events, it's in the significance. It's not in the facts of what happened, it's in what it means. And here's what we read about what Christmas means in Titus chapter two and how you and I can have a beautiful Christmas even when there's something broken or missing. It says this in verse 11 and following, it says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And what this says, very simply, is that Jesus came in the event that we call Christmas and he brought grace. And what this means is that when Jesus was born as God, he was born of a virgin, meaning he was outside the, the circle of sin, the cycle of sin. He lived a sinless life, went to a cross, died for the sins of humanity, went to the grave, rose to life, and now has ascended to sit at the right hand of the Father. And anyone who believes in Jesus can have everlasting life. That's the message of Christmas. That's the beauty of Christmas. But so often what happens is we tend to think of religion and faith and Christianity as a self-improvement plan, as a way for God saying, here are all the things you could do better and I'll help you do better so that you can have a better life. But what it's really about is the grace of God that is the end of religion. That's why it's beautiful. So often what we do is, is we confuse Jesus with Santa. And what I mean by that is we think that Jesus has a naughty list and a nice list. And we tend to think that, that, that the naughty list exists for some of our family members, <laughs> extended family. But that we're on the nice list. But, but here's what the Bible really teaches, and that is everybody's on the naughty list. And the only way that we end up on the other list is because of the grace that appeared in Jesus Christ. And when we believe, then whatever's broken and missing, we can experience grace. But that's not the whole story. The story is caught into this second appearing, what Titus 2 talks about, this blessed hope, this glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. And this is when Jesus comes back and he'll make everything right in this world. He'll redeem, rebuild, restore all of what's broken. And what this means is that if you have encountered the Jesus of Christmas, whatever's broken, whatever's missing in your life, you can say, I can have an incredible future because of Christmas. I love how J.R.R. Tolkien put it in The Lord of the Rings when he said, one day everything sad will come untrue. It's an allegory, but, but, but the picture and the language captures the essence of what the Bible teaches. And that is, if you say, right now I'm in an unhappy marriage, one day everything sad will come untrue about that. If you're brokenhearted, one day everything sad about your broken heart will come untrue. If you feel the weight and, uh, and the monotony of life, and like it hasn't amounted to what you thought it would, one day everything sad will come untrue if you're in Jesus Christ. That's the hope of Christmas and the beauty of it. I've said something a few times this year because it's meaningful to me personally. And that is if you have faith in Jesus Christ, the hardest things that you experience in this life are the closest to hell that you will ever be. 
But the converse of that is also true, and that is if you don't have faith in Jesus Christ, then the best things that you experience in this life are the closest to heaven that you will ever be. The beauty of Christmas is that there's grace for what's broken, and because of that, we can say, I can have an incredible future, but that's not the whole of it either because there's this in, in verse 11. It says, for the grace of God has appeared and it offers salvation to all people. And what that means is that anybody, everybody can get in on this incredible future. That's what Christmas is. And if you think about it, this is, is how the first Christmas was probably experienced. We often talk about Mary and Joseph around Christmas, but we don't often think about their reality being two teenagers with an unexpected pregnancy. And in that culture especially, there would have been a huge stigma having to travel a long distance from home and have a baby in a working stable without any idea of how they would provide for this baby. But then even more than that, Herod, who was the ruler of that region, decreed that all the babies, male babies under the age of two, would be killed because he had heard that one of them would be the king of the Jews and he didn't want to take any chances. And so Mary and Joseph fled to Egypt. They became refugees. In other words, they would have been uncertain about their future, scared. And yet they could say, because of Christmas, because of Jesus, we can have an incredible future. And anyone can get in on this. When you think about the shepherds coming, the announcement through the angel is often portrayed in Christmas pageants, but it wasn't given to us about Christmas pageants. The, the idea, I believe, is that the shepherds would have been outside of the religious establishment. As those who worked with sheep, they would have been uneligible, ineligible to go to the temple and make a sacrifice because they would have been ceremonially unclean by the Jewish standards. And what that means is that they would have felt like religious outsiders. And what Christmas means is if you feel like an outsider, you can have an incredible future and anyone can get in on this. The Magi came and visited Herod, this homicidal ruler. And what they found was a man who was willing to kill his own subjects to maintain power. In other words, they came to, to, to a place in the world, a region where the geopolitical forces would have felt uncertain and unfriendly to everything that they thought was important. And it reminds us that even if you feel like the political events or economic events of our world are uncertain or geopolitical forces may tumble, that you and I can have an incredible future because of Christmas. And anyone can get in on it. But it isn't just the characters of this first Christmas, it's also today. I was talking with a lady a few years ago who was telling me that she was going to be alone for the holidays and it was another year of this for her after several years of this, not having family, not having anyone around. And I still remember the words that she used to describe her feelings. She said, the aloneness is deafening. But you know, you don't have to be physically alone to feel alone. You can be sitting next to people who love you and you love and yet feel unknown and as if nobody really gets you. And we have that longing deep inside of us to say, I want someone to know who I am and who I'm not and who I wanna be. But because of Christmas, if we feel alone, we can still say I have an incredible future and anyone can get in on this. 
A lady sent an email talking about her second miscarriage and as many pregnancies. And she described how brokenhearted and hurt she was. But, but, but Christmas reminds us, no matter how brokenhearted and hurt we are, that we can have an incredible future and anyone can get in on this. I was talking with a friend of mine recently and he said that next year he believes that his marriage will probably come to an end, that he'll be divorced. And he said, as we were getting ready to do our Christmas card and we were taking our family picture, he said, he said, I, I, I realize that, that we are a hot mess behind our picture. But Christmas reminds us that even if our family's a hot mess, we can have an incredible future and anyone can get in on this. Maybe for some of us, it isn't something so recent. Maybe we're hurt from something that happened years ago. Maybe somebody who was supposed to take care of us, look out for us, protect us, did the opposite. And we feel hurt. We feel abandoned. We feel betrayed. But no matter how hurt or betrayed we feel, Christmas reminds us that we can have an incredible future and anyone can get in on it. Or maybe some of us look back at the last year and we did something or said something that we can't believe we did or said. We hurt people that we never thought or never intended we would hurt. And all we can look at now and say, how did I do that? I was so foolish. I was such an idiot. But no matter what, we would look at ourselves. Even if we say, I was a complete idiot because of Christmas, we can say, I have an incredible future and anyone can get in on it. But here's the thing. Just knowing that this is what Christmas is about doesn't mean we get in on it. Herod missed Christmas. And he missed it because he wouldn't bend his knee to this idea of Jesus or somebody else being in charge. The religious leaders missed Christmas because they didn't think they needed it. You know, it's possible that some of us come here today and we say, I don't need it. I don't care. I don't know for sure. And it's our way of missing the beauty of Christmas. And we just keep saying, I'm going to keep working at rebuilding what's missing or broken in my life. I don't need any grace, any hope for the future. Somebody bought a lottery ticket in Goodyear, Arizona earlier this year at the Circle K and evidently this lottery ticket was worth $14 million. State of Arizona gives 180 days for somebody to claim their ticket. The 180 days came and went and nobody claimed the ticket. Can you imagine having a lottery ticket for $14 million and realizing after the fact that you didn't claim it? And yet that's exactly what some of us do with Christmas. It's sitting right here, an invitation from the God of the universe to say, I want to bring grace into the broken and missing pieces of your life and give you a promise of an incredible future. And anyone can get in on it. And some of us just simply say, it's a nice story. I was thinking about this and thinking about just how to communicate this. And this, uh, about a year and a half ago, our family got a new dog. We've always had a dog and our last dog had died. And, and so we went to a shelter and we adopted this guy. This is Zion. And I've had uh, four different dogs in my life. And uh, I don't know if it's appropriate with dogs, unlike with children, to have favorites. But I have a favorite. Zion is my favorite dog. I love Zion. He is a great dog, but Zion has an issue. He's a sinner. <laughs> Sometimes he'll 
do things like chew things up that you think you shouldn't chew or he'll grab food off the counter. And, and he's about 75 pounds and he thinks he's a lap dog. So sometimes when you just want to sit down, he tries to sit on you and you're like, no, 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 like, like leave me alone. And one day this fall, I was taking care of Zion and, and he slipped his collar and he went out in our yard just to run around and he's done this before and we actually let him off the, the leash often because he's really good about not running away. But on this particular day, he must have heard something, seen something, smelled something in the woods. And so he took off into the woods behind our house. I called for him. He didn't come back. Went and got the squeaky ball, which is usually the guaranteed way to get the dog to come back. And I, I squeaked the squeaky ball and he still didn't come. So then I went into the woods looking for him, calling for him, nothing. Started to get a little worried. He'd never gone away before. Came back home, got in my car, went and drove around behind where the woods were, nothing. Drove farther, drove, drove several square miles around where we lived, trying to find this dog, and I couldn't find him. And after about 90 minutes or so, I started to feel panicked and, and fearful. Like, what if I don't find this dog? And I realized in that moment that I would do just about anything to find that dog. And here's what I want to say to you, and that is God isn't fearful or anxious about finding you, but God's way of taking a walk through the woods or saying, I'd do anything to find you is what we see in Christmas. Now you may say, I, I haven't run from God or I'm not lost you know, my dog, he took off and he was just doing what came naturally to him. He wasn't thinking these good people who adopted me, who gave me a home, who take care of me, feed me and, and give me shelter are out for my harm. He was just following his instincts. I did find him later that day. He got in uh, some mud in the woods and briars and things. But when I found him, I was just so happy to find him. It didn't even matter. And what Christmas is, is it's God's way of saying, I want to give you grace and hope. So whatever's broken, whatever's missing, you can have an incredible future and anyone can get in on it. You were given these, these pieces of Lego when you came in and here's what I hope you'll do with this. And that is, I hope you'll take it home and put it somewhere where you'll come across it from time to time. Where you'll maybe find it and say, oh yeah, there are some things that were broken or missing in my life. But the message of Christmas is that God can give me an incredible future and anyone can get in on it. You know, in Titus 2, we're told that the grace of God teaches us to say no to ungodliness and earthly passions. And even when that was read, some of us may have heard that and thought, oh, that means that, that there are all these rules about how we live. But, but what that really is pointing to is that God doesn't just have grace for our past and hope for our future, but the grace of God is for our present as well. And what that means is as we begin to follow God's heart for us, learn God's principles in our lives, that, that he will start to rebuild and renew what's broken and what's missing even now. Starting in the first weekend in January at all of our campuses, we're going to begin a new series that we're calling Better. And we're going to look at the Proverbs in the Old Testament and learn God's heart and God's ways and how we can have a better life here and now while we wait for that blessed hope, the day when everything sad will come untrue. But today, you can get in on this.
And the way that the Bible says that we get in on this is so simple, so familiar. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God stepped into our humanity while we were running from him, lots of times without realizing it, when we were lost, and he wants us to know that there's grace and that we can have an incredible future and anyone can get in on it, and you can too today. If you'll acknowledge before God your sinfulness, your waywardness, and your need for a savior. And that's how our Christmas can be beautiful, even in the midst of brokenness. Father, we thank you for what Christmas teaches us, and I pray that none of us would miss it today, but instead we would encounter or experience you at the depth of our being, and from that we would be able to say with confidence that whatever's broken, whatever's missing, I have an incredible future, and anyone can get in on this. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.